Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Craftcast. We, I have with me today, as always, Sean Butler, James Dalton. How are we, guys? Not bad. Pretty good, actually. A little bit tired, actually. I've been quite busy this week, but other than that, really good. Been busy Freemasoning, haven't you, James? Yeah, I have. So the enthusiasm is overwhelming. Oh no, it's been, it's been great. But we're recording this on a Monday. So last Monday, I had a meeting of a lodge that I'm visiting officer for. Had my own mother lodge on Wednesday, an initiation where I stood in as junior warden. Then I was at another lodge as a visiting officer on Friday night, Saturday morning, 9am, installation as provincial deputy DC, and here today. So I've been a little bit busy the last few days, but it is a labour of love and, and I absolutely love it. But as with everything, all in moderation. I think the words I'm looking for are chill out. <laughs> well, it's nice to chill out here, actually. I'm actually sat down for once, which is good. And you've had some jelly beans, haven't you? I had some new jelly jelly beans. <laughs> I would say they were my breakfast, but I actually got a cheeky croissant this morning in Cafe Nero before we uh, we got in. A Nero man, interesting. I well, don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> well, other coffee brands are available, of course. But uh, Stephen, this is called turning thirty. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, this is. I'm his, fully expecting. His, I'm old. Bit fourth of October, <laughs> when I turn thirty, the first thing I'll do is order a croissant. Cafe Nero <laughs> straight to Nero. <laughs> Other <laughs> coffee brands are available, of course. Oh now, Stephen, you've had some exciting Masonic news, haven't uh, you? In, indeed. Uh, last week, uh, for at least from whilst we're recording last week, uh, I was uh, elected as master-elect of my mother lodge for the very first time. <laughs> whoop, whoop, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very Amazing. much. How does it feel? Um, daunting. Uh, my, dad, my dad said, you know, do you feel ready? Uh, and I said, uh, as, a, as, I, as I'll ever be, you know, I, d- I don't think anyone ever feels ready for that. No, I, I didn't feel ready for it when I went through, and we've said this before, but I'll say it again. There was a moment in that ceremony that you will experience very shortly mm. where it all hits you at once. It just really washes over you mm. in one moment. I mean, I, I've, I've heard there's there's some emotion to it as well mm. in terms of the ceremony, and, and it's one of the best things about this is, is that my, my father will be the one installing me. Uh, and so... Well, I'm looking forward to seeing if he can hold it together. <laughs> I, I don't think he'll be able to. I've seen a few installations where either the grandfather or the father yeah. has installed the son. Yeah. And that there's always some element of emotion there, a little tear in the eye or, or full-blown sort of letting it go at the festive board because well, it's very special. I, I'm not sure if he actually knows this, but my dad, I mean, I, I always remember from my initiation when he, um, the first time that he called me Brother Watley, mm. he, he sort of, he choked up a little bit. He took a moment where he went, oh, wow like I, I just called my son brother Watley yeah. for the first time um so so yeah it's definitely makes it all the more special for sure it will be really special i think but anyway back to today what's happening Stephen? today we have a world exclusive a very exciting opportunity mm-hmm. that we're very grateful for the two grandmasters of the two women's freemasonry fraternities in england and we're very much looking forward to to hearing what they have to say Really excited. So we've got uh, Most Watchful Brother Suzanne Capen mm-hmm. from the Order of Women's Freemasons. And we've got Most Watchful Brother Christine Chapman from the Honourable Fraternity of Ancient Freemasons, also known as Freemasonry for Women as well. So like Stephen says, world exclusive. This is going to be great. Never been yeah. done before. So Suzanne, let, let's start with you, if we may, please. Um could you talk to us about what led you into Freemasonry and how you joined? Uh, well, my mother and my grandmother were both members of the Order of Women Freemasons. Um, it was a very long time ago. 
and I was a bored young woman looking for something else in my life and uh, with a friend I decided we'd try this Freemasonry lark and see how we got on. Um, it was a, a most amazing experience. My mother initiated me and she is something of an actress and I can remember my first meeting um, because she made it so dramatic and at um, a point in the ceremony, which you will understand, I suddenly saw all these amazing women <laughs> in evening dress with gold and blue and chains and goodness knows what else. And it, it just caught me immediately. It was amazing. And Christine, what about yourself? Well, likewise, it's a family connection. But in this case, it was not only my mother, but it was also my father and my husband. They were all Freemasons. And I was um, very familiar with Freemasonry as a, a spectator, being go gone to my father's ladies' night at yeah. about 16 or something. So I had a vague idea of what it was all about. My mother asked me in my 20s. I turned her down because I thought it was full of old women. I didn't want to go in. But the more uh, she asked me and the more I saw of it, and the more I thought, well, this is, sounds quite interesting. And I knew quite a few of the people that would be in the lodge. So I, in I went. And the rest, as they say, is history. And that, by the way, was in 1976. So obviously looking back to that date, Christine, I guess you could never have guessed that fast forward a few years and you'd be the grandmaster no not did really your, <laughs> did your mother get to see you become the grandmaster no no sadly no, not no, no that's a shame no, but no. i mean could you ever believe that it would have happened that all these well, years later you would have been running they the show such they seem to be on olympian heights these wonderful women and i never ever thought i could aspire to such excellence but <laughs> circumstances led to it so <laughs> there you go how about you suzanka Oh, no, no, there was no way I was ever going to go up the ranks in that way. But I, I just gradually got promoted and promoted and promoted and then found myself in this um, happy or unhappy situation. That I'm in <laughs> and, um, and how much time do you think, uh, in, in terms of your normal lives outside of Freemasonry, how much does Freemasonry sort of impact your day-to-day -day life? Well, on my bio, Facebook, my social media bio, it tends to say 24-7. <laughs> but as I'm retiring the beginning of next year, I think it will gradually diminish down mm. to a much more manageable level. But whilst you're in high office, you have a duty and a, a responsibility mm. to devote yourself to the running of a fraternity. <laughs> and, and how about you, Susanna? I spend, I should think, half, half my time yeah. on non-paying work. Yes. <laughs> Um, I'm almost retired professionally, so I'm able to spend, uh, to devote more, more of my hours to Freemasonry. Um, and it, it, you just have to fit everything in as best you can. Sometimes it's a bit fraught, but... What do you think you'll do with all the extra time once you, once you do retire? You said, you, Christine, you mentioned that you're retiring soonish. What, well, what yes, do you think you'll my do with... term of office finishes next year at the end of January mm. and I shall be getting out in the garden while I'm still able because <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets harder as you get older. Uh, just do it relaxing, knowing that I can choo pick and choose a little bit more about what I'm going to do with my day. James knows about getting older, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, have you found that? Though? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only a few more years to go. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, we're in this incredibly privileged position at the moment to have both of you with us. One of the first times ever that both female grandmasters have done a joint interview. I was wondering if you could kind of go into maybe a little bit about how the two 
female Grand Lodges are the same and how they differ and, and what makes each one its own sort of unique character, if that's okay. I'm not sure about your Grand Lodge officers, but we follow the same system as United Grand Lodge of England. We're not large enough to have provinces, and so we appoint, we have an office called Grand Inspector, which looks after um, an area. So there will be a Grand Inspector for Yorkshire and a Grand Inspector for Cheshire, for instance. Um, but our Grand Ranks follow more or less the same as United Grand Lodge of England. We're quite similar to uh, the OWF, but the big difference is size. We are that much smaller that we cannot be that widespread in the country. So we tend our lodges are much more geographically distanced. We're very similar to you, Jelly, in, in the ranks, Grand Officer ranks, but we do have a, a province which was set up some years ago in the northwest of England. And Christine, am I right to understand that you have a, a lodge in the US? Yes, we've got a, one lodge in the US in Washington. We've got one lodge in India, which is about to hopefully, we're going to consecrate another two to three lodges next year. And, and also Romania. Romania. And Spain. And Spain, and we're going to consecrate and another one, Gibraltar. And Gibraltar. <laughs> no, that, that, that was the first one. That was the first <laughs> lodge. His mother, <laughs> a very important lady in Gibraltar. So, <laughs> so we're, we're in Canada... Australia, South Africa, wow. Spain and Zimbabwe, but they're having a bit of a tough time at the moment. I'm not sure that they're really managing to meet very much in Zimbabwe, but um, our, ours are more are older and follow the sort of the old colonial system. We had English uh, groups of people overseas. I think it's kind of nice that you've got that, that widespread. It's not also not the same countries, mm. obviously not uh, necessarily the same size as UGLE, so can't have that same scope of being everywhere. No, we can't possibly. But, and but it's also really good because if we get a, an application for someone in India, then mm. we will pass that on to Christine. Yeah. Um, and equally, you likewise, you yeah. pass, pass on, on the, all the ones that could be accommodated by South Africa. Yeah. Or, or and and in the and in the UK, in the UK as well. if you've got you know, yeah, we, yeah, yes. province or and not that, province, but you know, but an that, area that, that you're cooperation in. has really expanded quite quite rapidly in the last well since you and I have been grandmaster. Mm. So yes, mm. not before. It's interesting you not say that. Before <laughs> it's great to hear you say that actually, because one of my questions was how do you, as two grand lodges, work together and support each other? And it seems like that's a really key element of that. Is we've we've got a candidate here but we don't have a lodge but you do yeah, absolutely and kind of swapping yeah. between yeah. the two yeah well that yeah. concept was uh, really came to the fore with the university scheme the i was just about edward to lord about asked us <laughs> if we would be willing to cooperate and that's how we started all this mm. cooperation with candidates are there, are there any other ways that you, you see sort of work together in terms of do you, do you share i mean i think i know the answer but i think a lot of listeners might not in terms of how much you sort of share any lodge space any anything essentially do what do you share what don't you share do we meet in any of the same buildings no i, I don't, don't think know. we meet yeah. in the I same buildings know. but we're, obviously we're using a lot of uh ugle centers yeah. mm. which we do as well yeah um and the university scheme we've yes. sort of carved up the universities mm. between us so that mm, we right. don't tread on each other's toes talking about the university scheme i'm in the university scheme lodge as are, as are you Stephen, and a key element of that is to initiate pass and raise somebody and then you sort of seamlessly hand them over to a lodge back in their hometown or where they're going to work. If somebody was to join, say, OWF, Suzanka, and then they were going to move to a different town, 
where there was only a HFAF lodge, mm-hmm. for example, is there a process in which they can move to join that other order or, or is that not the case? At the moment, we don't allow people to belong to both uh, orders. No, they can't belong to both, but they can go from transfer from one but to they the can other. Tra- we, we, we have, I mean, if, if, if one of our members wants, wants to go to the Honourable Fraternity, then they resign mm-hmm. from us mm-hmm. and join mm-hmm. and, and vice versa. Yeah. We have special forms and new obligations and that sort of stuff. But they, it's a new obligation. Would they have to go through the same the ceremonies again? No, 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 no. 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 Recognise kind of whatever status they've reached. So, sort of in a similar way, I, I imagine, than you, Julie, would recognise a foreign constitution in terms of, you know, for example, the Spanish constitution. If they, yes. so I see it in Gibraltar, if a Spanish mason comes over to Gibraltar, they don't have to go through everything again. No, no. They're a past master, they're a past There's master. There's no point. Yeah. No, yes. no, no. Interesting. I think probably what listeners would have been very familiar of in recent years, at least, is how close ourselves at UGLE and both OWF and Freemasonry for Women have been working closely together. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? How did that sort of come around? How long has that been in the workings? And, I mean, we're at a point now where, you know, last week where we were celebrating the Constitutions, 1723 Constitutions, Tercentenary, you were both obviously there in the Grand Temple, which was fantastic to and see. And wearing so, regalia. And wearing regalia. So, so can you sort of... Talk us through that relationship a little bit, please. Maybe Suzanka. It it is very recent in in our history. We started in 1908, so we've been a hundred and something years. My arithmetic's not good enough. <clears throat> and certainly, when I first became a Freemason, uh, nobody had any contact with UGLE, and UGLE didn't have contact with us. UGLE members were frowned upon if their wives and daughters became Freemasons. There was a lot of tension between um, the two organisations and I think that's the same for you Christine Well actually um, if you go way back in time to the time of Lord Northampton Mm. he came to tea at our headquarters with our then Grandmaster Eileen Gray Really? Remember they were called before the House of Parliament that special select committee and I'm not sure if she actually gave evidence or she just said supporting him Mm. when he gave evidence about Freemasonry but things have changed tremendously in the last 10 years. Mm. There's no question about that. How did it feel to be at the 1723 meeting? Um, and, and I saw photos in regalia as well, in, in, in a meeting, and that must have been quite a monumental Christine wore regalia. I, d- I chose not to. I, was, I wasn't going to let that opportunity go by <laughs> being able to wear my regalia because obviously I've been to, we've been to the tercentenary celebrations and various other celebrations and celebratory meetings, but we've never, ever been asked to wear our regalia. So, yes, so if uh, quite an honour. One of the examples is that when we when we uh, celebrated our 100 years at the Albert Hall, which was amazing, we invited. No, you weren't. Not Christine. It was your come. predecessor, wasn't it? Yeah. We invited UGLE, and they refused to come. And that that was in 2008. So things have changed. So you can mm-hmm. see how mm-hmm. things have rapidly changed mm-hmm. yeah. since. Good. So it, I, it's really in, in very recent times since we've been grandmasters, isn't it? I I think that quite sort of nicely leads on to something that I get asked a lot. So we were saying, uh, James was saying that we're both members of University Lodge. I'm the president of my Masonic Society at at my university, at Keele University. And often the question that we get from students is, well, you know, are there women's Freemasons? And then when we say yes, and they say, well, where can I join? And they go, well, it depends where you are and therefore which one you join. They go, well, why are there two Grand Lodges? Um, which I guess is the, the, the gold question that everyone asks. 
Events, dear boy. I was going to say that. <laughs> events. Do you know I googled that this morning? You never actually said that. <laughs> Harold Macmillan. <laughs> they had a serious falling out in 1913. Yes. Um, oh dear. Over the Royal Arch. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. yes. That has a bit of historical precedent, I think. Blimmin' yes. Royal Arch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I mean, so some wanted to work the Royal Arch and some didn't. So the ones that wanted to said, right, well, we don't care, we're going to go and set up our own Grand Lodge, and they uh, went on from there. Then. Yeah. And you work, you both work the Royal Arch now, Oh, yes, we yes. do now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And is it done in the same way in both of your Grand Lodges? I don't think so. Um, I think ours is slightly different, but I can't swear to it. Obviously, I've not been to a, yeah. Yeah. an OWF Royal Arch <laughs> meeting. Well, we, we work the, the Aldersgate ritual. I think we work something similar, but I mm. think we put our own... Mar- uh, working on it. <laughs> sure. It's one of the things that people muck about with the ritual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, a lot Easy. of our lodges use universal rituals, some mm. are emulation, and they have their little ways. I was going to say, tell that to Bristol. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, once you've done craft, you then work by the book, and there are no. So, Mark, Royal Arch, everything after that. It's so by the book. Do you have a, a, a lot of other um, side orders or, or side Okay, degrees? so uh, in the order, I don't know whether you, what you do, Christine, but um, for us, once um, uh, take one, two, three. So we've got Master Mason. A Master Mason can then become a Mark Master Mason. Mm-hmm. So you have to do that first before you... And Secret Monitor, that's the other one that, that for Master Masons. Mark Master Masons can then take the Royal Arch. Okay. Which and is slightly then, different, obviously, and to you, Yeah, we then have a progression mm-hmm. through um, all the various degrees in the crystal. That, and so it's it very much a progression. It's not yeah, yeah, so yeah, much absolutely. a... Absolutely. It is a progressive science, darling. You can become a... <laughs> yeah, but just obviously in, in, in UGLE, you can, once yes. you become a Master Mason, you yeah. can join yeah. most side orders. Yeah. There obviously yes. is some progression, but for example, you don't need to be a, a Mark Master Mason no. to join no. the Royal Arch and vice versa. And also... Uh, um, with a gentleman, you can be a member of Rose Quar mm. and not be a member of Craft. Yeah. 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 But because we've got everything under one umbrella, mm. if you resign from Mark, you're sapped out of everything above it straight oh, away. Right. So because yeah. we've got Inactive it all on, member. it's all on one database. So it, it, what do you right. do, darling? Well, we obviously started with the Royal Arch, then they went on to Mark Masonry. So do, do you? Do they have to do it in an order? No, or? we don't no? specify the order they do okay. it. Um, we did do cryptic degrees for a while. I must say that in our Royal Arch, we do the passing of the veil ceremony, mm. which is like which was introduced so, yeah. by our second Grandmaster right. Seaton Challen. Don't know so. what that is. <laughs> well, I think in in, in, the, well, in, in in the English Constitution, the passing of the veil ceremony is only now done in the province of Bristol. Yes. Mm. It's not part of it's, any other province. I know that it's in the uh, so part of uh, you know I, I know it's in the Scottish Constitution, mm. so I get to see it if I go to to a Scottish Constitution lodge in Gibraltar because we have. We're lucky okay. we have both, but uh, and the Irish, so so I'd sort of see the similar. And from what I've sort of heard from little bits, from at least from HFAF, that a lot of your ritual is similar to the Scottish Constitution in in a in a potentially more than than UGLE. But I don't know what the case is for. Well, for we, we use the Aldersgate ritual, okay, with no permissive variations. Those of you that are in the Royal Arch, there's mm. all sorts of black lines, and you can do this or not, and. Yeah. And I got fed up with it, and so we've now got so much a more ritual in, with in terms of, yeah, just this is what you do, and okay. there's no, yeah. no no changes, no variations. Well, we from that we went on and introduced Mark and um, Royal Arch, sorry, 
Ram, I was going to call Royal it that. Royal Art Mariner. Royal <laughs> Art Mariner. Uh, Knights Templar, Knights Templar Priest. Oh, sorry, of course, we did the Rose Choir, which came in in about 1933. And um, we've got... Because uh, we, we helped you with your Knight Templar Priest, didn't we? Yes, yes. We, a Knight Templar Priest was set up. So we, we're looking... And I keep trying to encourage you. I to know do, we are looking to introduce monitor. other degrees, but it's all a question of enough people to do this and oh, enough point. time. This is it. There isn't enough time in the day to do everything, unfortunately. I th- yeah, I think it's sorry. It's something interesting is how you start an entirely new degree. In yes. terms of, for example, I know, I know. Uh, do you do uh, Suzanne? Do you do Royal and Select Masters? Yes, for example. So yeah. you do. So, for example, if if Freemasonry for Women wanted to do. Royal and Select Masters, I assume one of the Grand Lodge be that... Um no, no, it's not, because we actually started it in, I, um, I think it was the late 20s, early 30s, okay. So and it sort of fizzled out by the 50s, mm. so we, we could actually restart it if we wanted to. I see. <laughs> right, moving on, um, <laughs> in, with my UJLE comms hat on, something that we often get hit with at UJLE is the fact that Freemason, the, the idea that, that Freemasonry is gender exclusive now i think we should take this opportunity to put this to bed once and for all (laughs) do you want to merge with the men and if not why not no not on my watch (laughs) (laughs) you've heard it here first (laughs) i always say that if we are to join together with the men the demand for it has to come from the membership has to come from the floor upwards and not from the top downwards Mm. i should also say that there are mixed Freemasonry yes. orders. Mm. So, yeah. if people want to go to mm. um, a Masonic, mm-hmm. not it's not pure Masonry as we would do it, obviously. But no, there are other opportunities. Yeah. Yes, yeah. other opportunities if people want to. Um, but I think the exclusiveness of the gender is very valuable to us, and I think we should keep it. How do you normally answer the allegation that Freemasonry is a sort of a boys' club, it's a men's club? Because when I speak to people about it and you tell them that women's Freemasonry exists and is alive and well, they almost take a step back and go, no, that can't be the case. It's not real Freemasonry, but of course it is. (laughs) Well, I have been preaching Freemasonry for women since I was initiated and I have never stopped. And if anybody dares to suggest to me that I'm not a real Freemason, they'd better look out because I won't stand (laughs) for it. (laughs) Well, obviously, with with relations um, in in such a uh, an improved state as we just discussed, what, what what's stopping that that sort of reunification? Uh, you said they they split up, you know, however long ago it was. Uh, to clarify, you're talking about the two women's grand lodges. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. so to yeah to to change subject from mm-hmm. men's and and women's unification between the two women's grand lodges. Um, You've got a hundred years ago, or a hundred so years ago, you split because of the Royal Arch. If that difference has now been resolved, what's the real difference now? What's what's stopping that reunification? And do you think that will will happen at any point? I would like it to happen, but it depends very much on our governing boards, how they see it, and whether they agree to it, whether they even agree to thinking about it. <laughs> but I can tell you that the HFAF would be willing to consider it. And from the floor up, like you said, it's yes. not just your... yeah. yeah. It, it's not the younger people, yeah. because they don't have all the baggage. Yeah. It's the senior yeah. in age and rank that are hesitant. Not I, me. I, but I imagine it, it's not really that long ago, if you think about it, in what, a few generations. That can, as you say, baggage... How, how that can long did it take United Grand Lodge of England to unite it? Yeah. I think it yeah. was more than 100 years, yeah. actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over, yeah. over similar, actually, 
similar initial Issue. issues as yeah. well, actually, yeah. which yeah. is uh, the whole reason that in the Book of Constitutions we have that interesting wording about the Royal Arts, that it's yeah. pure ancient masonry consists of three degrees and no more, entered apprentice, fellow craft and master mason, including the Supreme Order of the you Holy see, Royal our, Arch. Our constitutions say consists of three degrees and no more, entered apprentice, fellow craft, um, fellow craft completed by mm. Mark Master Mason and Master Mason, including Royal Arch. So yeah. we've got a little yeah. bit extra in our constitution. It's amazing that use of language, I think, yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. it, in, yeah. in, in these documents. Yeah. But it sounds like both of you would be, you know, have a hope in your heart that one day it may happen, the, that a reunification may happen. Well, logically, it would make sense. We mm. p- would present a united front mm. to combat all these uh, allegations uh, about Freemasonry and the fact that it's uh, a male exclusive organisation so you know if we were united we'd be much stronger I'm, I'm taking that as a maybe <laughs> I'm taking that as a, may- a hard maybe brilliant Stephen any more from you? Um, yeah well I, I wanted to ask um, I, I know uh, Christine you said that um, your term of office is, is ending soon um, is there anything and, and it's a question for both of you but uh, it is there anything that you sort of want as a as a hail mary pass that you want to get done before you leave? Is there anything that you that you wanted to achieve before you your end of office? And if so, do you think you'll you'll manage it? And, and what is it? I just want to complete the, the sale of our headquarters building. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> it's really hard work for me at the moment. So yeah, just do leave a happy fraternity behind me. So I hope that's what I'm, I'm going all out for. I don't have a, um, a fixed term of office, so I'm elected every year, but I, in my constitutions I um, have to nominate my successor. So Christine is there for four years and then an election and then mm. another four years. COVID has extended it, mm-hmm. bless her, so she's had to sit there for ten, <laughs> ten years. Well, it will be ten years, yes. yes. Whereas um, in the OWF it follows United Grand Lodge of England, so I'm there until I can find someone to take on the reins, basically. But it's so... Whenever that may be, is there anything it's that in finding particular... the right person to yeah. take over. That that would be my. That would be your your. If I could just yeah. find that one woman that has. Mm. Yeah. It's a huge undertaking, I think, yes. to lead a such a large organisation yes. on, on, in both fronts. And, and it's all the degrees in my case, and in your yes, case, yes, yes. yes. It's, it's all the degrees as well. Of course, which is not not something that we have yeah. obviously in men's Freemasonry. Yeah. We've got different grandmasters for different yes. orders. Yeah. yeah. Craft and Royal Arch, obviously, Duke of Kent is both, but yes. other than that, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there's any sort of, uh, well, I'm sure you do feel like there is a legacy that you're leaving behind. Is there anything particularly that you feel has changed from the time that you started to the time that you will be leaving? Is there something major that you're, you're sort of like, yes, I've, I've done that I'm, and I'm proud of it? Well, yes. Because I, I know you've done a lot. So the I mean, attitude you, you of you, Jelly, towards women's Freemasonry, I think I've contributed quite a lot towards that mm. change without mm. sounding too... Yeah. Oh, as you should, yeah, no. <laughs> and I think that we have such a uh, an increase in our profile over the last 10, 15 years. I was Zooming with our inspector in South Africa a couple of weeks ago and she was thrilled to bits because you, the men's grand lodge, grandmaster, had said to her that he saw me at uh-huh. your <laughs> constitutions <laughs> so, and, and she, she was absolutely gobsmacked she couldn't believe it so. ladies we're kind of coming to the end now and it's been amazing to have you thank you so much as kind of a closing sort of statement or question what what would be your sort of pitch or way of talking about why for women freemasonry 
is a good thing? Would you use the same arguments as we do in men's Freemasonry? Or is there something that you want to say that you've gotten from it as a way to say, women can, yeah, yeah. women can be Freemasons and, and this is what I've got from it and this is what I see it give to other people? Well, uh, we always say that apart from all the usual benefits, which men feel, women feel exactly the same, we've always emphasised that we feel that women can feel empowered Mm. once they become Freemasons. We teach everyone to believe in themselves and stand up for themselves and to, we think that the act of learning ritual and taking part in ceremonies is is a very empowering thing for women and gives them a great deal of confidence. And we also think it's a great support network uh, for young women, especially when they move different to different countries for work, or they move c- to cities, different cities, and you know they need knowing that they've got a lodge full of uh, aunties. <laughs> a women's lodge is also a very safe and calm place. Mm. There are no outside distractions, and one can go into a meeting and forget all your problems and relax as much as you can if you're doing ritual. Um, and come out of it feeling stronger and and better. Not sure how relaxed I was the first time I was doing the tracing board for the second degree, but oh well. (laughs) Well, Most Worshipful Brother Suzanne Capen, Most Worshipful Brother Christine Chapman, thank you very much for joining us. Great pleasure. Thank you so much for having Mm -hmm. us. It's been been delightful to talk to you. So brethren, the Most Worshipful Grandmaster of both Orders of Women's Freemasonry, Christine Chapman and Suzanne Capen, I learned a lot from that interview. Absolutely. What, 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 what do you guys take away from that? I think the thing that I really picked up on, which I wasn't aware of before, was that they do actually cooperate a bit with one another. I think beforehand I was, I just thought they existed as entirely separate entities. What I didn't realise was that, as, as they described, if there's an, an area where perhaps one of them doesn't have a lodge but someone wants to join, they will pass that person on to the other, which I thought was really heartwarming. So, yeah, n- never knew that. Really interesting. And, and for me, sort of uh, going on from that, the, the idea that they both have the same message uh, and uh, uh, certainly, obviously, the, the big million-dollar question, as we said earlier, uh, as to whether they'll, they'll jo- you know, unite. Um, interesting to hear that it's not off the table. Um, but also, either way, uh, they both seem to be having the same message and moving forward in the same direction, which is uh, then, uh, I guess, just a question of procedure, uh, which is sort of nice to hear that yeah. there's no animosity. It's, it's, you know, I think that's probably a misconception among a lot of people. Um, it's nice to see the good relationship. I thought that was a really good part of the interview, actually. Yeah. And for me, the thing that I really took away from that was the the actual some of the differences in terms of how they deal with the mm. appendant bodies, the additional degrees. So in OWF, you become a Master Mason. You then go into the Mark degree before you can become a Royal Archmason. Whereas in HFAF, it's much more closely aligned with what we do in UGLE, mm. where you become a Master Mason and then you can join any other order that you like. Yeah. And yes, the Royal Arch is the next natural step, but you don't yeah. have to join the Royal Arch next. You can join mm-hmm. anything. So I thought that was a really fascinating difference between the two different orders. It's been interesting to get some great emails, actually, from our listeners over the last few weeks. Exactly what we want to hear. Exactly what we want to hear. We've had loads of people emailing podcasts at ujelly.org.uk, and we've got a small selection of some of those emails in front of us now. I was wondering, Sean, do you want to go first? Absolutely. So we've had a lovely email from Piers Levan, who uh, is the Worshipful Master of the Orpheus Lodge, number 7697 in the esteemed province of Gloucestershire. Uh, and Piers has shared with us that he's currently undergoing some treatment for uh, neuroendocrine cancer. Uh, he tells us it's a good prognosis, but of course we wish 
Piers the breast of luck with his um, battle against cancer. Yeah. Obviously goes about saying yeah, that all of us... Are, all of us at Craftcast wish Brother Piers all the best. Um, but Piers has said, Evening, brethren. It's 9.30 and the hands are on the square. I'm lying in a lead-lined room in the oncology department at Oxford's Churchill Hospital, catching up on Craftcast and, of course, remembering absent brethren. Uh, I'm currently organising my not-called-a-ladies' night and just received a raffle prize donation of a signed match shirt by none other than Chris Robshaw from his time as a Harlequin. Uh, and he's asked, perhaps the programme master would like to buy a raffle ticket, can you ask? Well, Piers, absolutely, I'm sure we can pass on uh, the question to the programme master. And once again, all of us here at Craftcast and you, Jelly, wish you the best of luck. Sean's got his f- home phone, obviously. Speed dialing. <laughs> <laughs> Just speed dialing me out. Mr. Watley. <clears throat> okay, um, from Andy McGovern. Uh, thank you very much for writing in. Um Andy is a master mason from Bounds Green Lodge, number 4406. Um, And he's written in with some excellent suggestions about uh, topics for our podcast episodes. Uh, So he said, Hi all, so I've started dipping into Craftcast and really enjoy listening to them. Thank you very much. So I go to think about what else might I want to hear about in the future. And whilst I'm guessing you've already thought of some of these, and they are in your plans, I thought I'd share them anyway, just in case. Hmm. So... His first suggestion, something about Solomon and how useful it is to learning more about the craft and chapter and, of course, contributing your daily advancement. Good one. Love it. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Definitely something. I'm not sure we've spoken much about that, so that's probably a new suggestion. Definitely, yeah. Uh, So thank you very much. Um, You'll get a shout out if we do do that, for sure. Yeah, Second suggestion, Beyond the Craft, the different orders. That is something we've we've spoken about, uh, Beyond the Craft uh, and Royal Arch. Um, uh, and we will, that's, that's probably lots something. Lots coming on that. That's lot, in the pipeline, yeah. Lots, lots in the that, works Andy. for that. Don't worry. We got um, don't you worry, we'll bore you to death with that. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> well Sean will at least. Um, <laughs> other constitutions, uh, particularly uh, of Prince Hall with its origins in the English constitution. Good one. Uh, definitely a good one yeah and uh, obviously I'll talk lots I'm sure about that with Gibraltar being uh, having English, Scottish and Irish constitutions we'd be shocked if you didn't I know Uh, yeah so would I (laughs) Um, and the fourth suggestion is Masonic history and famous masons I like that Uh, had another suggestion from a friend of mine recently uh, about uh, particularly people famous masons and what they've done in the world, and maybe if we know how Freemasonry has impacted their life, mm. would be an interesting topic. Nice. Um, so shout out to, to Will Taylor, my friend. Uh, thank you for that. I will. Uh, and, the <laughs> and the final one, how I got into Freemasonry. Everyone always asks how we are, but never how we got into Freemasonry. So Yeah. It also occurred to me that the occasional guest presenter joining you would be good. Um, you're all quite young, and I, for one, would like to hear from someone who maybe came into masonry a bit later on in life in their life. I don't yeah. know. I mean, James isn't that young. <laughs> <laughs> I'm refraining from comments here. Oh no, no, but I think it's a good point that Andy makes, and I think yeah, actually looking into getting a guest presenter on every mm-hmm. now and then for the sort of more yeah. discussion-based episodes is is a good shout. So yeah. I think some good suggestions there, Andy. So keep up the good work, and congratulations on a fabulous podcast series. Thank you very much, Andy. Thank you, Andy. Uh, And the last one this week is from Cameron Raphael, who is a member in Cornwall. And he says, Good afternoon, Craftcast team, Sean, James and Stephen. First, I'd like to say how much I enjoy the Craftcast. 
I'm a young member in the province of Cornwall, a member of St Mary's Lodge 8892. I have to agree with you entirely on the feeling of delivering ritual for others. Only a month after my own initiation, I was delivering the first degree tools for another brother. I was incredibly nervous even though I have public speaking experience. So it was wonderful to have the feeling of support of all present. It certainly bolstered me to do my best and I have since delivered the second degree tools for the same brother at the installation without the nerves. I've enjoyed being a younger, a younger member and meeting so many fascinating people that are now my friends and I had no connection to anyone in Freemasonry at all but I've been made to feel so welcome. Once again, thank you for such great content. That's a great email Thanks, from Cameron. Cameron. That's lovely to hear. And well done for getting involved in your lodge. That's yeah. Brilliant, yeah. It, ta- it does take guts to stand up, especially the meeting after your initiation mm. and to deliver a piece of work. So seriously, Cameron, well done. I always think it's nice when you follow a candidate through their ceremonies as well and do different bits of work for, for yeah. them, for sure. Yeah, very well done. Thank you for writing in. Well, chaps, I think that's it, isn't it? For another episode of Craftcast, listen everyone, thank you very much for joining us once again. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you. We hope you've enjoyed it. Get in touch with us, podcast at ugle.org.uk. Follow us on our socials, all over every different platform. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks everyone. Goodbye. Bye for now. Craftcast, the Freemasons podcast. The podcast is hosted by Sean Butler, Stephen Watley and James Dalton. The producer is Marta Zandri. And the podcast is edited by Trisonic. Trisonic.